All right, welcome to the Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. I'm your host, the disappointing three and five Denver Desert Dogs. Uh, joining me tonight after one of the most stressful weeks of my life every year, the trade deadline week, is first place, take your ball and go home, Shane Stein. Hey, good to be here, Matt. Thanks for having me. Glad I got your name right this week. I'm I'm very happy about it, hopefully. I can hang on to that for a few more weeks here down the stretch. Yeah, you got a nice little comfortable lead. Um, and you made some acquisitions that I'm sure we will be talking about here shortly. Uh, joining us tonight is not Phil Bruce from the Seawolves. It's his better half. It's his better half, the Steel Curtain, Eddie Mitchum. It's good to be here, Matt. Glad to be back. Yeah, we're happy to have you on, too. All three of us were relatively active um, at the deadline. So, no trivia tonight. Uh, we have a lot to discuss in terms of trades. It was a fairly active deadline. I wasn't sure it was going to be. Um, I didn't think a lot was going to happen. And then it kind of opened up a little bit on uh, Tuesday. And we had, of course, a last-minute throw-in right before the deadline that – were the typical suspects um, getting one in right before the end here. So, I guess first trade we can talk about was we'll go chronologically here with my trade. I trade Alvin Kamara and fifty dollars draft cash for next year to Spears for Len Fournette and Christian McCaffrey. What do you guys think? I wanted to hate it if you got like two top five backs. But you give up the full 50 to one guy and one of the top keepers in the league. So there wasn't really much to debate, um, I didn't think. But anytime you're adding Christian McCaffrey, you're obviously getting a hell of a lot better. Um, and Fernet's playing really well. So uh, I think it makes your team really scary, uh, especially because of the uncertainty week in and week out with Kamara. Um, obviously, you're giving up the future a little bit with moving away from having him as a great keeper, but I don't think it's any secret that there's a couple guys mainly on this podcast. I would do anything it took to try and win every every year to figure out the next year comes and I think that's good. So respect for that. Yeah. Um really really saw this one coming. <laughs> I mean, I think we, we saw this. We, you, you said that you had the offer out there. And, I mean, when Spears says that he was that he was selling, I mean, I guess the thing that was most surprising for me, and I said this to you, is that, that Spears was willing to give up at, for this season at 4-4 four and four with those two players on his team. That was, that was the thing that was surprising for me. Um, you have McCaffrey, who's the best player in fantasy football, and then Lenny Fournette, who's a top-five running back. Um, look, just looking at their schedules down the stretch, I mean, they play some cupcakes in the playoffs for fantasy football. So, I mean, those those two are like they're, – they're championship winners. So, I, I thought that him being 4-4, four and four, I mean, looking at having those two guys, you get anything from, from your supporting cast and and maybe he goes and is aggressive and buys a piece. I mean, I thought that he would literally have a team that was – that was poised to, to play in another title game. So it was surprising for me that him, a game ahead of you, 
was will, was willing to to sell and 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 give a three and five team the opportunity to to go ahead and and what I in my opinion move to the top of the league. Yeah, so I've been working on this one for a little while. I don't know how much I disclosed in terms of the, the I guess two or three weeks ago when I first tried to trade Alvin Kamara. Um, Spears and I actually had a deal in place where I was going to give him Kamara for Fournette straight up. Um, but we weren't able to get it in, get it done in time that it would have processed for the Sunday game. So we had to scrap that and go back to the table. Um, he lost two more games after that. So did I, but I still feel like I, my team was still scoring. Okay. Except for last week. So I thought still I thought I had a chance to, uh, to make some noise and, you know, I, Kicked around the tires a little bit with Spears. He, you know, his team was four and zero. He lost four straight now, and depth was never a strong suit on this team. So yes, Shane, you're right. He had McCaffrey, Fournette. They were doing good things. Cooper um, has been outstanding, but him not getting much from Zach Ertz, I think, is really what was starting to scare him um, because he did not have a lot of depth. His flex positions have always been weak all year, and you know, Spears is a guy that's not afraid to go for it. But this, I think he didn't feel like, like he, in his mind, $50 was going to get him a player, like a stud. And he felt like he was more than one stud away. And he'd rather just get an $11 stud keeper and have a ton of money to go into next year with. Um, where I think he'll be much more comfortable navigating the draft with a lot more money than putting himself down the money it would take to, to be a title team. Yeah, I think you're... I think that's a, like he's not afraid to go for it, but I think he's also a guy that will honestly evaluate his team and and is one hundred percent okay with setting himself up for the next year because we've seen him do it and do it successfully before with the first draft we have with the Jordan Nelson deal. So he he's I a dangerous he, drafter when he has money on the table. So you know, I think he knows that he's loading up. If he can't win the whole thing, he probably – I mean, what, what's the point, you know? That's – yeah, that's the way he's always operated in his life. It's finished first or finished last. Right. And <laughs> the receiving core that he has, especially with Cooks and Limbo, not that he was doing anything anyway. He certainly was one more than one piece of there, especially since – I mean, he was humming when Dak was going and McCaffrey was going and he was getting carried by three guys really. Yeah, I mean it's it's fun to see his Troy Spears fall baseball coach, travel baseball coach strategy is the same as his fancy football strategy as well. I mean the way he works a pitching staff. Yep. In a fall baseball tournament, always always saving his best for last, making if he's gonna get to, he's gonna get there, he's gonna win it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean he, he never throws his best pitcher until he absolutely has <laughs> to so um, so yeah, that trade happened. I was basically done at that point. I thought about maybe trying to move Robert Woods, but I didn't even kick that around because I didn't think there'd be much out there for him. So um, I was pretty much done at that point. Um, then Eddie got involved trading Lamar Jackson and eight dollars to the Fleetwood franchise for Travis Kelsey. I don't know how much of this had to do with our conversation on the podcast last week, Ed, and how much I maybe drove you to go upgrade the tight end position when I mentioned I thought that was your low point on your team. Probably didn't have much to do because I think you were probably pretty aware of that as it was, but um, added Kelsey 
is obviously a big upgrade for you. And you've shown that you're one of the better owners in navigating the quarterback waiver wire. So you're kind of putting your faith in that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wanted to upgrade the flex. I mean, I felt like I was one flex or a tight end away. Whichever I could add a really good player at was what I wanted to do. Um, and I floated, I floated Lamar out to a lot of teams over the last two weeks. I honestly didn't think that this was where it was going to land. He, I, he was literally the last team I was out to, and I hadn't talked to him before this deal happened. All day. Um, but once I looked at Kyler Murray's game logs, it was kind of easy to make a pitch. I don't think it was a hard sell. I mean, the dude hasn't thrown a touchdown or ran a touchdown. I'm like, there was like five games zero touchdowns. But like, sure, his rushing numbers are great, but you need touchdowns at the end of the day. Um, so I think he viewed it as an upgrade for him. I also think that kind of started to realize that the, the two tight ends set probably isn't the best if you can make much better, which obviously he's trying to do another deal. So it worked out. I was kind of surprised it only took me eight dollars. I was fully ready to go Lamar in twenty. Uh, that's what I had left, but uh, he settled at eight, so I took it. Yeah, I think this was a good. I think this was a good move for Eddie. Um, I don't mind it for Spears either. I think it was it was. Co- Kind of good for both sides, but I really like what Eddie did here. Um, I mean, tight end was obviously your weak spot. Um, it was kind of the only thing that was really holding your your team back. Um, just just not getting any production from that spot at all. You go ahead and add Kelsey, who, even though hasn't been great, he's still the number two tight end in football this year. And I, so I think that, I feel like there's even more room to grow. We haven't seen any of the explosive weeks from him really to this point. Um, Mahomes will get healthy, come back. For the for the stretch run here, and that should heat Kelsey up, I, I would imagine so, and and really just adds to what you already have in big plays from Thomas Cook Hopkins. Um, I think I'd rather roll the dice at the quarterback position than the tight end position. I think we can all agree on that. So now you have the tight end locked down, and and you can go find a quarterback week to week more more likely than a tight end. So I don't think uh, I for my quarterback. I think he's on my roster. Yeah, what was he, that? Still, he still has Drew Brees. So, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'd rather play the try, try to solve the quarterback puzzle to put it in your terms than than solve the tight end puzzle every week. <laughs> like I, I drafted Lamar first two weeks, as fully expecting to turn Brees in week three and cut Lamar loose. And then, I mean, I don't need to detail everything that happened with Brees and the season Lamar was happening, but. I mean, if you look at Lamar's upcoming schedule, it's going to get a little tougher. And if you look at Breeze's, it's, I mean, Atlanta's twice on the schedule still, I believe. So I'm all in favor of that and some other teams that he has that are pretty good matchups. Yeah, I think there's got to be there's got to be a little regression for Lamar too, just as the weather gets a little colder. I think um, I'm always thinking about that. I mean, for guys guys that run, um, things get colder the game kind of slows down a little bit. Um, obviously the guy's a freak athlete and he's still going to get some rushing. He's going to get rushing yards no matter what, but I don't, I don't know that I think he regresses a little bit. This is a good sell high. I don't, I think he's obviously reached his peak here through seven weeks of the season. So. 
Um, one aspect of this trip, well, first of all, I wanted to say, I don't think Ty does this deal without the combination of his next trade that we'll talk about. Um, he was able to kind of upgrade some other positions that the loss of Kelsey and slotting Evan Engram into the tight end spot didn't hurt him as much. Um, so we'll get to that in a second. But the hidden aspect of this trade, I know quarterback value in our league has been discussed heavily. Um, do you guys feel like there's any keeper value for Lamar Jackson at, at $1 for next year for Tyler? Because hmm. I think there is. I'll just say, I mean, I, I've always felt pretty strongly about rushing quarterbacks and the safe floor that they get you. Um, you know, he's obviously as elite as a runner we've ever seen from the quarterback position. Um, so you're looking at eight to 10 on the ground, even if he doesn't score a touchdown. Um, so I think there's definitely some key potential at that price and the floor, um, for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're basically watching Michael Vick here. Are we not? Um, it's, it's very similar. I mean, different, they do it a little differently, but, um, Vic was a little better thrower, I believe, than than Jackson. But rushing wise, Jackson's every bit as good as he was. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit, but I still, I just judging by how this league has gone, I I, I don't know that the the quarterback price is ever going to be much more than what is it, what would the most expensive one go for this year? Fifteen was it was it even fifteen? I think Watson went for eleven. Eleven was the most. That's what. No, because any. I mean, without looking at it, really looking for receivers, I don't think it would really even be a thought. Because I'm sitting here thinking in my head, like I think you're going to save like nine dollars. In my opinion, and I think they have a lot more. So. I just I know Tyler likes to play close to the vest in terms of money, so I thought getting a safe player like that for a dollar would be a would be a possible option for him. Let me say I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad keep by any means. I don't think it's it's gonna hurt you. I I, I just think that with the way the league has been shaped, I mean, you know that the top fifteen running backs are getting kept. <laughs> yeah. um, so you're not you're not helping your team much by keeping the quarterback. I don't know, but you, I don't know that you're hurting him because I I do feel like Jackson's a pretty pretty stone cold lock with the rushing numbers to be to be a QB one. So yeah, and the other thing it does is it maybe allows him to keep Saquon for another year at that price. So even if you keep a player for a dollar alongside Saquon, uh, frees up some money that eighty dollars for Saquon doesn't hurt as much. Yeah. All right, so the other trade Tyler made that I kind of hinted at was with Papa Cause and the St. Louis Patriots. Um, the Patriots get Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Kenyon Drake, who's currently carving up my team. Uh, he also gets $15 from Tyler in this trade, and then he sends to him Jamal Williams from Green Bay and Tyler Lockett. So I thought this was a good acquisition for the franchise. Um, he had two startable players um, to a team that, despite being five and three is kind of um, light on, you know, big scoring guys. So Williams is a good RB two and Lockett's been a, probably a wide receiver too this year. So I thought that was another good ad by him to at least improve his squad without paying a lot of money. Yeah. Tyler Lockett actually wide receiver 11 so far this year. Um, been outstanding. 
been outstanding, double digits every week except for once. Um, so I mean, he's been he's been really good, and I don't know that that's going to change. I mean, he has to be a big part of their offense. Um, like some juicy matchups coming up: Tampa Bay, Philadelphia in a couple of weeks. I mean, still feel like Lockett's a pretty safe bet to be a top fifteen wide receiver year end. So. Definitely like the move for the franchise here. I think they, I think they did well. Got better. I, I actually like Jamal Williams rest of the season as well. Um, we'll get to that later with the, the Aaron Jones piece, but I think that there's room for Jamal Williams to continue to, to eat into that workload, and it's not going to just be a one man show in Green Bay. It's, it's proven the last couple of weeks. Yeah, solid move. I mean, there's not much to add to what you guys said. I mean, this move obviously made the first move possible. Like you said, being able to slot these two guys into your flexes or however they get used and bump Ingram to your tight end, you still feel you still feel like you're going to have a decent tight end advantage in a lot of teams. And then uh, you get better in flexes without the two tight end options. All right, Papakaz stayed busy uh, the next day. He still had $35 left to acquire in trades. Um, so, hold on. Yeah, 35 Um So, he goes out. Well, actually, the next trade, I guess, was Alshon Jeffrey for Hunter Henry. So, uh, he trades with uh, Fegley, who needed a tight end because he's been starting uh, Hawkinson from the Lions. So, Begley adds Hunter Henry from my dad, and it cost him Alshon Jeffrey and ten dollars. So, thought that was a nice ad for Begley. Inexpensive. Not sure it's enough on his side um, to make him a championship contender, but definitely improves his team. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, I, I I agree with you. I don't know that it's enough just based on what other teams have done, but we we. Uh, we all know the wild card coming back here in probably a week or two um, that changes the whole landscape of that for Fegley's team. So, I mean, Pat Mahomes comes back and goes back to doing Pat Mahomes things for 35 points a week, then Fegley's team gets even more dangerous. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I thought Sean has a if Deshaun Jackson's close to coming back, that I feel like that has to happen. Yeah. Like I mean, I kind of I I almost want to call it a lateral move. It doesn't really do anything for me. I don't think Hunter Henry's putting anyone over the top of tight end. Um, I don't have his team up in front of me to know like where Alshon falls off, but I feel like he's a he's a guy that can be put in there most times. So I, I don't know if the point differential between the two of them really does anything to move the needle. So he's got Tyreek Hill and T.Y. Hilton, that wide receiver. That obviously those two guys are better than Jeffrey. So then it comes down to his flex spots. Uh, he's going to run some combination of DJ Chark, Golden Tate, Royce Freeman, and Calvin Ridley at the flex. So I think Jeffrey was a movable piece for him. Yeah. But yeah, not not like he got crazy better. But um, I think Hunter Henry is the um, he is the 
tight end 11 in our league, and he's only played in four games. So that just tells you how bad that position's been. If you can get a guy that's actually playable, that's super helpful. All right, so after those two deals, my dad had $25 he could still acquire at the deadline. Um, he had previously said he wasn't planning on moving Julian Edelman or Sonny Michelle, um, but it became apparent to him that he was not going to be able to move Julio for 25 without the league potentially getting upset due to, you know, some other trades that happened and other discussions. So he would have needed a real good keeper back for Julio. Um, so instead he does move Edelman. He gets $20 from Bull. And he gets a real good potential keeper, in my opinion, at Cortland Sutton for $2. So Sutton and 20 to the Patriots for Edelman. Um, thought that was a good move for both teams. I agree. Yeah, I like this one for both both sides. A um, little concerned about the obvious QB situation in in Denver. Um, what that's what that's going to be as far as limiting Sutton's value. But I mean, he was playing with Joe Flacco, who was just about the worst QB in the league this year, and he's still borderline wide receiver one. So, I mean, if they can get anything to get him the ball, I think that at the price that he's at, what is it, one dollar, right? Two dollars for Sutton. Two dollars um, for a fringe wide receiver one, probably a lock for wide receiver two. Yeah, that's that's good value there. Papa Cos most likely looking at a seven dollar Sony Michelle and a two dollar Cortland Sutton next year with two forty five starting. So two thirty six to draft with those two guys. Um, you got to be okay with that. Um, all right, so then we had the three-way deal happen right before the trade deadline, um, about an hour, I guess, before the deadline was about to kind of expire here. Um, this was a big trade involving the Seawolves, Take Your Ball and Go Home, and Abusement Park. Um, if I can just kind of go with what every team received, uh, Take Your Ball and Go Home gets Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, Odell Beckham Jr., um, Abusement Park gets Michael Gallup and Joe Mixon and $15 from Stein. And then the Seawolves get Emmanuel Sanders, LaShawn McCoy, Aaron Jones at $6 keeper for next year and $35 cash from Shane. Um, I think at first glance, everyone was a little bit upset about the fact that Shane was getting Beckham um, Schuster and Connor. I think it was kind of forgotten that Beckham had been traded before, so it wasn't all necessarily Phil dumping to Shane as we're used to seeing. Um, he was just dumping through Brandon this time. Um, but I think when we really started to break down what each team got and received, you know, Shane acquired those three players. We did give up Aaron Jones, who's been a monster, Michael Gallup, who's trending upwards, I believe. And Emmanuel Sanders is also trending upwards, and he gave up $50. So quite a big price um, for Shane to give up to acquire some players that have underachieved so far, except for James Conner. He's been outstanding. Yeah, I guess I'll start here, um, and I will preface it by saying, I mean, I, I don't know that I got better. Um, I hope I did. Um, I think I, what I what, – what prompted me to make the deal is, I mean, I saw what you guys did 
I looked at my team. I looked at what you did, Cause, what you did, Eddie, and I was like, I, I think my team's pretty good, but I don't know if it's good enough to beat both of you. Um, I want to try to put my team in the best position, and I figure I think it's taking a chance on some guys that maybe have underperformed so far, and maybe they come back to to some stats we've seen from them in 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 previous years. I think giving me a chance to put up some bigger numbers down the stretch. Um, I was willing to take a chance on him. Guys like Beckham. I was actually upset Beckham got traded earlier. I had my eyes on him for a couple of weeks. I, I wanted to target him. Um, and then Aaron Jones, I just, I just, I'm afraid that there's going to be too much of a timeshare. I, I feel like, I feel like he's reached his peak. Obviously he's, he's had a couple huge weeks. I just don't know that that's going to happen. And they have, I didn't like the schedule down the stretch in the playoffs for him. So I was willing to, to part ways with him, even though I, he was clearly a, a great keeper option at $6 for next year. Um, but yeah, just to kind of taking some chances on, on all three of those guys, Juju, Beckham and, uh, and obviously Connor's been, been great so far. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it looks like a great haul for you on name value, but like you said, I'm not sure how much better you got. Um, time will tell. Uh, I've seen enough of Nate Rudolph to know that I don't feel good about Juju going forward. Having traded for him in a dynasty league, I already feel regretful of that. Because if he's going to have to catch balls with the guy's helmet, get touchdowns, it be a hell of a long rest to get him. Um, Beckham, I mean, if they can't block anyone, he's going to have a tough time doing anything. And Baker sucks. And Connor's health is just becoming a concern. I think they're going to will down his his workload more and more as we, as we go through here. All three backs are getting stacked up, so um, it's a nice Hail Mary, but we'll see how, how it pans out, I suppose. Connor's health is is my biggest fear here as well. Um, I said that to Shane last night. You know, that team's having a dreadful season. It took everything they had to beat the Dolphins on Monday. Um with a little help from the Dolphins, too, just being arguably the worst team I've ever seen in the NFL. Um, but I could see them shutting James Conner down this year if it gets to a point where he's continuously banged up week to week, um, knowing they're going to get Big Ben back next year, knowing that they'll probably still have a good defense next year. Um, I could I could see that, that happening rather quickly, so... That's something to monitor. I think if, you know, Connor continues to be the player he was, you don't lose too much moving Jen. Um, and you still have Connor as a $6 keeper next year. So it's not like you completely punted next year. You can probably keep him and Cooper Cup and feel pretty good about where you're starting next year, even though you'll be down money. Yeah, I mean. The public Roethlisberger, like being there next year. You're not confident? No. Yeah, I just don't know. He's he talked retirement how many times? Uh, he's actually like coaching up Mason Rudolph on the sidelines. I just get this weird feeling like maybe like he likes that shit this year and comes back as like a, a, like 
an offensive consultant slash quarterback coach. Like, I don't know. The whole thing is just weird. Yeah, I mean, just to add a couple of things, I mean, I will say, I, I full disclosure, we, we talked about this tonight. I, I, I did not know that Emmanuel Sanders was actually going to be in the steal. <laughs> um, he was thrown in late, um, and I, I actually didn't even know that. I, I did not even agree to it. But when Phil threw it out, I was like, whatever. Everyone was arguing. I was like, just whatever needs to be done to get, get it done. It was late. I was tired. Um, I will say that I think I'm not even more upset. I'm not upset about losing Aaron Jones. I'm, I'm a little worried about the two other guys that I don't have anymore. Sanders and Gallup. I feel like they, they could be really important pieces down the stretch here. I I like both of them. I'm high on both of them. Um, but the deal's done. We'll see what happens and, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Sanders will be efficient in that offense. I'm not sure he's going to be the target monster. I don't think that offense is built around heavily targeting any one player. Um, so while I think he'll be efficient and he'll be good, I'm not sure he'll be, you know, as good as Beckham or Juju could be. So Yeah, that's kind of where, where we're at. That I like the steadiness that, that Sanders provided, um, and I think that he will. But it's like I think if I'm gonna, like I said, if I'm gonna beat you guys, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to put up some numbers to beat the the talent that you guys have, and I feel like you can get some big weeks from from Beckham and Juju, possibly. So yeah, Brown's schedule's getting a little lighter, so maybe that helps. We'll see. Um, all right, so let's get into the Week Nine matchups. Start off with my game against the St. Louis Patriots. Me and Papa Kaz. Um, so far, not a good start. Kenyon Drake, 14 points for my dad and 1.8 for Christian Kirk. I'll uh, start off with um, my dad's team, Jameis Winston. Despite all his bad play as a real-life quarterback, is still putting up some decent fantasy numbers. Um, kind of an interesting game this week. Seattle's not great in the secondary, but it is at Seattle. That's not going to be a good place for someone who's – it's going to be tough to hear. Winston already can't see real well. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not super excited about him uh, playing, but they should throw the ball quite a bit and um, probably going to put over 20 points. So how do you guys feel about Winston at Seattle? I mean, this this has the makings of like a two-touchdown, three- or four-interception game, I feel like, right? I mean – it, it it could it could be pretty bad. It could, it could end up in fantasy purposes just because I feel like they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. But that's not always necessarily good for him because he's got minus threes just waiting for you out there. Um, but I don't know. I'll I'll give Winston like sixteen points this week. Yeah, he's uh, pretty bad. Um, I said earlier in the year that that just blows because James would try to like chuck it up to him because he's playing for his career, and he's totally said fuck it and started talking about the fuck so bad. And I mean, he's thrown a ton of picks, fumbles the ball nonstop, minus numbers coming out of him are just astronomical. Um. So yeah, I, 
He has yeah. to be, he has to be one of the least possession conscious quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. Like he just literally, like you said, it's balls are just falling on the ground. He's fumbling constantly. He throws the other team. He's one of one of the worst real life quarterbacks I think in the league. If he's like bottom five. Oh yeah. I don't know. Like having watched him a lot in college, I'm gonna go ahead and say that the putrid offensive line he played behind at Florida State, I think ruined him. Because his pocket awareness got awful. Constantly like running and moving and finicky. Like he's never covered in the pocket, which caused him to sail balls and throw bad picks. I think yeah. it's like he he grew into the player he is running for his life and making unbelievable plays at the college level that just aren't there at the NFL level that tries to make, and it doesn't happen. He, he has, like, the least calm feet ever. <laughs> like, they're just – they he, never stop moving. <laughs> he spent the state never being able to set his feet, so now he doesn't know how to set his feet. <laughs> he's, on, he's honestly at his best when he's just heaving balls to Mike Evans. Right? That, that's when he's at his best. Yeah, yeah, I think like people like thinking that he's good, like it just like he just throws balls up and just has benefited from having some incredible athletes around him. Like obviously you can't really teach like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin kind of athleticism. But I mean, dear God, this guy is probably the last guy I would want running my, my franchise. <laughs> Aaron's came out and defended him last week too. He said that any all the interceptions he threw were not on him, his wide receivers let him down. So that to me is really interesting because I really respect Bruce Arians as an offensive mind. So I don't know if he's just saying the right things or if he actually wants to ride out for this guy, but I'd be looking to get off of him if I was trying to prolong my coaching career. All right, we'll move over to my team. I obviously have Godwin on the other side. So anytime Winston throws to him, it's a benefit to me. Um, My question for my team though, Mark Ingram, um, tough game Sunday night going against the the boogeyman and the the Patriots defense. But we did see last week that the Browns were most successful when they were running it directly at the Patriots. Um, Chubb had an outstanding game, saved the two fumbles. Is there room for Ingram to actually have a decent game Sunday night in this one? Yes, because. I think that Belichick knows they're going to have to hem Lamar Jackson in to keep the offense at bay. So I think you're going to see them doing everything they can to set an edge and not open up anything for him. So I think that that's going to allow them to be able to run the ball right at him. So I think he can do the same. I, I mean – I think that's the only way you can really attack this team. Attacking him out of the said last week was the dumbest thing I've heard on this podcast. Corner to him at an all-world level, and he said you could attack them on the outside. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I noticed when he said that, I was like, what are you talking about? Um... I heard my horn down the turnpike in frustration when he said that. Yeah, I was like, the way – I mean, obviously the defense is really good, but the, the way to beat this team is by running the ball straight up the middle against them. That's what you have, you have to be able to do. Um, you don't, you don't want to be throwing the ball on the outside. Um, you got you got to keep the ball in the middle of the field and and run up the middle and kind of use 
power offense against them. Um, so I think there is a good – there's a chance for a good game for Ingram here. I like him to get in the end zone once this week. Um, the game plan, they're going to make sure that Lamar Jackson doesn't wreck the game and, and run all over them. So I, I'm not going to go overly huge, but let's say uh, typical Mark Ingram, 45 yards and a score. Maybe more. Maybe more yards. The other thing is they play – like they're notorious, like number one in the league, the amount of down spent in man coverage. I'm wondering – I'm wondering if that switches this week because obviously man coverage is going to allow Lamar to have people's heads turned and find lanes. Yeah. Stick to man coverage. They're going to have to widen their defensive ends and outside linebackers to really have them in the pocket with open up power and lead type running plays in the C gap for days. So I'm fascinated to watch this game. It's one I'm really looking forward to. Um, I just want to see what Belichick cooks up. So, yeah, I'm sure it will be different than what we're used to seeing from the Patriots, um, just knowing that they're they're playing against a different style of player than they're used to. So I'm really excited to watch this game um, from a football fan-wise on Sunday night. Uh, who wins this game, Desert Dogs and Patriots? I'll take the Dogs. There's, there's a bunch of reasons not to, just because I've been awful. So, But I will still take them. There's two acquisitions. This week, that are reason not to go against. Them. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I mean, I don't want to, but it kind of is. <laughs> um, you really got to get this one. I mean, it's obviously a great week to catch Papa Cause. Just sold the house. Doesn't has Julio on by. Um, that being said, it's 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 the dogs, and it's it's by a good margin. All right, let's go over to take your ball and go home against the hammer. Matchup of the longtime roommates, um, Stein and Butler. Stein's team looking a little different this week with Schuster, Beckham, and Connor in the lineup. Um, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Gets a decent game at the Chargers. It's been just incredible the last two weeks. Obviously, he had the huge game against the Raiders and then Last Sunday night was a game I haven't stayed up to watch a lot of late night football this year, but that was one I stayed up and watched the whole thing. Um, and he was just tremendous. So starting to click for him, starting to play like the old Aaron Rodgers. Um, are we really excited about what we're going to get from him the rest of the way? Um, yeah. Go ahead, Ed. You are. You are. Mainly because I and I dogged him the week before he started going off. So that's the way it goes. It's also my son's Halloween costume, so. Oof. Yikes. Emmett, not Jonah. Oh, yeah, you're good then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got to be excited. Um, looks like things are starting to click in that LaFleur offense. Um, and got to f- feel like Devontae's coming back shortly here, so um, I'm going to add a, a dangerous weapon for him on the outside that he can throw the ball to. Um, things are clicking. Definitely, definitely like Rogers. Rest of the way, got some good, got some Giants, Redskins. I see there, Week 13, 14. Got to like that. Um, certainly should do well against the Chargers this week. So, yeah, excited. I just noticed that Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals. That's uh, that's fantastic stuff right there. 
Um, all right, let's talk about Chris Conley for the Hammer. Um, broken out last week, he had a 70 yard touchdown. Houston's pretty miserable against the pass. What do you guys feel about Chris Conley? Um, is there a chance that he has another good game for Butler in his wide receiver one spot? Uh, I didn't think we'd be talking about Chris Conley tonight. No, I mean, I, I, I think Minshew's getting good value to all the receivers there. He's playing really well. Um, so I think I think certainly room to get things done against Houston, especially no no JJ Watt Baron. That's good news. Um, so yeah, for Butler's team, great player. DB Westbrook a little banged up too, so that helps. Yeah, for sure. Um, Conley was actually a guy I was looking at before the season started that I was I was expecting to make a jump. Um, I thought he could be a serviceable guy this year in a, in a flex role. Um, and it's starting to pan out that way. Um, obviously didn't think it was going to be with Gardner Minshew, but I uh, thought him and Foles were going to be able to make some, some noise. Um, not at a, a great level, but I thought he might be, be able to sneak into flex territory. And obviously Houston, not really great against the pass. Um, this is kind of an important game, right? This is, Jacksonville wins this one. They're they're right there in the the AFC South race. They they need this one. Uh, I would expect Conley to put up somewhere around the twelve points. Yeah, you were all in on the Jags this year. You loved. Them. I was. I was. All right, I'll take take your ball and go home in this one. Not close. Don't you feel like the Jags should have called the Bears and said, "Hey, do you want or something?" That's going to happen this off season. Don't worry. That's coming. <laughs> yeah. Deadline. Foles and Nagy have that uh, relationship from Kansas City, too, so it makes sense. Um, yeah, all right. I'll take T-Bag. I'm going to take T-Bag, but I think it's a lot closer than you think. All right. All right. Let's go to Buseman Park versus Team Ice Cream. Uh, I feel like Le'Veon Bell has to be a top five play this week at Miami. And if he doesn't finish top five, I'm not sure he's playable the rest of the season. <laughs> Do you guys agree with that statement? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, shocker that it only took seven weeks for Le'Veon Bell to show that he's just really immature loser. Um, <laughs> Basically came out and was like, uh, "Like the reason we're losing is because I'm not getting the ball," um, which is not true. Just a whole slew of reasons that they're losing. Um, but yeah, he basically called out Gase and said that he needs to get the ball more. I would imagine that Gase is going to cower and give him about 25 touches this week. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be a big week for Elbel. Yeah. I mean, I got eight characters. Like, what's he? What's he supposed to say? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's got to touch the ball fifteen times a game on that team. Like, you just, that there's no reason to give him eight carries. You can't give. You can't give me. Um, but that being said, the franchise is still a disaster. The whole 
Adam's thing too, and what he said was that place just needs to be blown up. Um, Adam Gase is going to be a one and done coach. I was just going to ask that. He's, yeah, he's absolutely one and done. They can't feel good about what what's going on there. Yeah, uh, shame. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can say that he's not playable. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? What's he do for a mixing in after this week if Bell doesn't do well? But, okay. Yeah, after Chubb, he's got some real shitty, like, running back situations. <laughs> Which, and we left draft room fucking Googling at abuse and parse running back situation at the trade deadline. Now we're ooing at his running back situation. <laughs> All right, we'll go over to Spears' team and Team Ice Cream. I'm going to make a bold statement. Amari Cooper is the number one wide receiver this week. May not be that bold because they're playing (laughs) the Giants, um, but you still have some decent wide receivers out there this week. I think Cooper scores at least twice and keeps a skeleton ice cream team in this game against the unlucky abusement park. I mean, if Phil's not here all for the two tutty weeks, there's been 702 touchdown predictions. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, good job filling in for that. Um, I haven't done my fan book stuff. I'm looking at all the But if you want to call him number one, I'll allow uh, Yeah, Giants pass defense is really weak. Monday night game. Put me down for Cooper for 25. <laughs> nice. That's a big game. And one of those guys is scoring twice, Gallup or Cooper. I'm not sure which one. They're both in this matchup. So, going to be a lot of points between uh, those two guys and Prescott. Really looking forward to, to seeing, you know, how that shakes out between those guys. Not to mention, I'm sure Zeke will have a smash game too, so. The guy we the guy we should be talking about on this roster with an opportunity to finally maybe do so is Devontae Parker. Yeah, him and Robbie Anderson should be good this week too. Like like I just mean like is Devontae Parker finally arriving? Like are we are we finally getting there? In year one thousand thinking he's a good player. Uh, I, I can't get <laughs> I can't I can't get there with him. I've I've done that dance before. He's in the Corey Davis bucket for me. But, yeah, good matchup for him. Who wins Park versus Ice Cream? Well, we got Rashad Penny going against the league's best rush defense. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I want Rashad Penny against the league's worst rush defense. <laughs> um, Kalen Balaj. Not good at football. <laughs> so give me the park. <laughs> yeah. You sold me on it. I'll go park. I'll, I'll take the park, but I think it's close. I really do. Um, Shane, I want to see if you hit on this. I know Eddie's going to know the answer. Shane, if Rashad Penny and Kellen Bellage were your starting running backs, how would you feel? <laughs> I feel sick to my stomach. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, that's 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 like a teabag 2018 roster right there. Um, 
obviously Spears sold everything. He's packing it in for the for this year. Who just dropped that puck? Uh, I think it was Debo. I'm not positive though. Ugh, that's awful. All right, sorry. Yeah, it was Debo. It's terrible. All right, Clan versus Mad Dog. This is a pretty big game for both teams. Um, they both want to stay in the playoff hunt. Um, in fact, they have a chance to get to, I believe, six and three. Mike has a chance to get to five and four. Um, trying to think. I guess we'll go with uh, Brissett at Pittsburgh. Uh, Jacoby's been really good this year. Uh, Fegley, one of the few teams with three quarterbacks on the roster. We all just know that Fegley has continuously loved the quarterback position. Just outstanding that he has Mahomes and Brady, and he still needs a third one. Um, but Brissett's been good. I think Eddie nailed that at the start of the year. Same with Shane. Shane drafted him in our our dynasty league. So, uh, how do you guys feel Brissett's going to do in a game at Pittsburgh? Uh, I mean, Go ahead. Pittsburgh's defense is obviously their strength, um, but the Colts' defense is really good too. So they're probably gonna have the ball. Um, so I think we'll have a pretty good. Team. Um, Bill Hayden looked really bad on Monday night, so I'm sure Ty Hilton will have his way there a little bit, and he'll get a nice little number out of both of those combined. Um, yeah, we just saw Fitzpatrick do some things against Pittsburgh on Monday night. Um, short week for Pittsburgh. Jacoby playing well five out of seven weeks this year. This year. He's been great. Um, two down weeks against the Chiefs and Broncos. Um, I would expect him to come back into the middle of the pack road. Not a huge yardage game, but give me like a two touchdown, a little less than 200 yards for somewhere in the 20-point range. I think that's probably fair. Um, they're just a really good team. They don't need him to necessarily air it out. So that kind of tempers his fantasy expectations. Russell Wilson has a great matchup against Tampa Bay. Um but I want to talk about Devontae Adams. Shane, you mentioned him coming back this week. It looks as if that's going to happen. What can we realistically expect in from Adams in his first game back from the turf toe injury? Uh, not much. I don't think so. Um, always, always skeptical on foot injuries, especially toes. Um, I think it, it, it takes a little couple of weeks for him to – get back into game action. I, I wouldn't expect him to push the issue with him too much this week. So give me, give me him only for like a, maybe like four catches, something like that. Yeah. I think he's sub 10. Wouldn't be so yeah. if he doesn't even play the whole game. Yeah. I think that's fair. It feels like he's the type of player though, especially with the, the record, the Packers have built. You don't let him even come back until he's full full go 100%. So. I just don't know that he's ever going to be. That he's what? Turf toe and trying to get in and out of cut. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a specialty of his game. Like, I just don't, I don't know. Devontae. 
I definitely wouldn't play him on a college soccer field either. <laughs> At the Chargers. So, who wins Clan versus Mad Dogs? Uh, it's going to be a tight one, I think. I'm going to take the clan. Yeah, this is a big one. Um, I'm going to take the Mad Dogs. I think it's a huge Russell Wilson game, obviously. I just like his matchups a little bit better. I'm going to take the plan. I think the tight end matchup set. Everything else, I think you could go either way. Um, but I think it might come down to the tight end. And I think that Hunter Henry is better. I know Fells has been good. So don't say it. There's the uh, Emmanuel Sanders touchdown, by the way, for the Niners. So let's get into Emmanuel Sanders' new owner. The new and improved Seawolf. Who somehow trade the keepers that we heard about all summer, and somehow I think their team got better. Um, so he's got a nice little forty-one to half point lead over uh, the franchise right now. Franchise versus Seawolves with two guys. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo and Manny Sanders. Imagine right now, still has Ricky Seals Jones in the lineup. That's uh. That's questionable. But we'll start off with the franchise. Um, I want to talk about Allen Robinson tonight. It's obviously no secret. Shane has mentioned it many times on the podcast. The Philly pass defense is, um, I think, pathetic would be a good word to to go with. Um, The only thing worse than the Philly pass defense might be Mitch Trubisky. So I'm curious to hear uh, how you guys feel about Allen Robinson, who's been really good this year for Chicago, despite uh, the quarterback throwing the football. He's been good because he's running six-yard routes, and that's right in Trubisky's wheelhouse. So if you're into getting 100 catches for 100 yards, he's But I guess you take him how you can get him. So, yeah, he's a pretty but Yeah, juicy matchup. Um, wouldn't be shocked to see this game be a little bit of a shootout. Um, put me down for Robinson for, for an RB1 status this week. Or uh, wide receiver one status, sorry. Um, That'd be really impressive. <laughs> um, yeah, put me down for wide receiver one status. Anytime you can go against the Eagles. All right, I think uh, I think Robinson is a nice game. Um, he's a high floor, low ceiling guy, so I think that kind of parlays into what Eddie was referencing about the types of routes that he's running. Let's move over to the Seawolves. You guys concerned about LaShawn McCoy? Uh, we saw him fumble last week in the Sunday night game, and then Damian Williams came in from the dead and actually looked pretty good in the second half. So you guys are a little worried about Shady rest of the season for the Chiefs. Uh, 
I don't think I ever felt good enough about him to not be worried. Um, That's fair. He had like two weeks where it was like, oh, that was it. So, I don't think there's ever a moment to feel great about him. Yeah, I'm a, I'm definitely worried. Um, obviously, got to be worried about the whole Chiefs backfield, honestly, at this point. Um, not a whole lot of good players there. I mean, McCoy's winding down his career, not the same player. The Williams brothers, who knows what you're going to get from either of them at any point. Um, not looking good in the Chiefs backfield at the moment, especially with Mahomes out. Just doesn't leave a lot of room for them to do to operate. Um, just always concerned with, with aging running backs getting later in the year. <laughs> just always concerned. I don't want to kind of spill the beans on this, but Darwin Thompson got a lot of run last week. Uh, it was in the past game, but, you know, he was a darling in the, the offseason here. So keep an eye on Darwin Thompson maybe becoming the guy there in Kansas City. All right. Who wins Seawolves versus Fleetwood franchise? It's hard to hard to pick against the hot start for the Seawolves at this point. Yeah, knowing what we know now, um, can't really go against the Seawolves. I mean, if Garoppolo and Sanders have 41 at halftime, got to imagine that, that that's going to keep going here. Let's take, I'll take the Wolves. Yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson against New England. Got to temper your expectations, I feel like. So it's an easy pick for the Wolves, I think, at this point. All right. Game of the week Ball Weevils versus Steel Curtain. Ball Weevils are on a five game winning streak. So, so last week in a real Donnybrook, we're not game of the week with Shane. This week, my entire team's on bye, and I'm game of the week where I'm just throwing out the dead roster. Sometimes it's about the records, you know, not so much, <laughs> not so much the players on the team. So, <laughs> I know, but I'm trying to get other teams involved in the game of the week. All right, so we're it's Bulls' turn this week, and you just happen to be playing him. Well, congrats, um, congrats, Dylan. Nice one. What? Huh? I didn't understand what you said. Um, I said congrats to Dylan. <laughs> so we got Josh Jacobs. Uh, Detroit's been pretty bad against the run. Uh, Jacobs just continues to be one of the better buys in the draft this year. I feel like he's got to be locked and loaded into uh, even Fandle lines potentially this week. He gets he just touches the ball so much. Um, so Jacobs or Elliott in a good matchup. Who do you think scores more points for the Bull Eagles? You said Jacobs or who? Zeke. Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Sorry, it was like really muffled. Um, I'm never knocking on Give me Zeke. Big Zeke guy. Give me Zeke. He's just going to get probably at least five to six more touches than Jacobs this week. Um, so, just got to take him. I'll take Jacobs just to be different. All right, let's go over the steel curtain. Got some big names on by this week. 
Mike Thomas, Devonta Freeman, AJ Green's on bye, so you don't even get the chance to move him to the O. And then uh, Drew Brees on bye as well. So got Alexander Madison and Danny Amendola in the flex spots. Uh, can't feel great about that, but we do have to feel great about Dalvin Cook against Kansas City. Huge game for Dalvin Cook incoming. Um, over under 175 yards from scrimmage for Dalvin Cook. Well, I'll preface this by saying, Eddie, I'm glad that you already have the handcuff for your sake. Um, after that fucking spiel that he just gave. <laughs> so, good for you there. Oh, you um, called it a fucking spiel. <laughs> <laughs> so good kudos to you for having Madison who was clearly an RB1 rest of season now. Um oh my god. But yeah, it's got it's got to be a I mean looking at this it's got to be a nice matchup. You got you got to figure Cooks good for for blowing up this week. Um I agree. Um still got to you got to take the under on 175 yards. <laughs> That's that's a lot, even for him. Um, I don't know. I'm rolling out the entire Vikings offense this week, apparently. <laughs> so hopefully, a lot of those 175 yards, or hopefully, like 150 of them, receiving yards, be good for me. I just feel like he's the one of the few players in the league that every time he touches the ball, you feel like he could go to the crib. I mean, he's done it twice so far this year in eight games, so. Yeah, Chiefs are a good matchup. 25% playing against a good matchup. Yeah. It's not crazy. Who wins, Weevils versus Steel Curtain? <sighs> Got to be the Weevils, I think, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a tough week with uh, Thomas and Freeman on by. Um, I think it stays closer than you think, but it's the Weevils. What's wrong with Amendola? Really good. You say Amendola? Yeah. He's been awesome. He's better than Trey Carson. That was a, uh, that was a wait and see pickup. Yeah, no, yeah. I think Carson obviously needs to be on, so that, that was a good good ad by you. Twelve carries last week. All terrible. But... All right, I have two other things I want to talk about. Uh, they're more real football related, um, but just things that have come up in conversations I've had with people throughout the week. So, first thing I just want to talk about is um, left-handed quarterbacks. So, Eddie. I need some football coach insight here. Obviously, Tua Tag, I don't even know, Tag of the Loa Loa is going to be a top five pick for Bama in the NFL draft probably this year. He's left-handed. But there is currently not a left-handed quarterback on an NFL roster, and I think it's been quite some time since we've actually seen one. Kellen Moore might have been the last left-handed quarterback in the league. Um is there a reason why we don't see left-handed quarterbacks? Like, because I, I just don't. I think it looks so much better when a lefty throws. I just I wanted to know if there's a reason why it's not happening at all. 
I just don't think there's a lot of left-handed quarterbacks. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was like, you know, a baseball thing. You talked about left-handed throwers can't play certain positions. So I wasn't sure if it was something happening at like the youth levels where they're not letting lefties play quarterback. If I can jump in here, I mean, obviously we know like it, it switches things for the offensive line. Yeah. Um, most guys, the best lineman the left is going to be the left tackle. Um, I, I'm wondering, does it switch? I, I don't know. I've never played football, but is the the ball coming out of a left-handed quarterback's different throwing different than than right-handed? Is it tougher to catch? I don't know. Um, I find that hard to believe. But uh, something that I, I just thought of while you were talking there is maybe all of the best left-handed throwing athletes are playing baseball. They're pitching. Um, That's a good point. Is that, is that a possibility? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's one I never thought of. Um, if you're if you're going to be a, a left-handed athlete that throws has a great arm, I mean, pitching seems like a natural natural path for you. Yeah, I didn't think about that. All right, I was just curious about that. Um, something that came up in a conversation I had this week. My other question. I want to go back to the uh, 2018 NFL draft. This is also quarterback related. I have a hot take. I, I don't feel great about it. Um, but obviously we saw five quarterbacks go in the first round last year. Um, and I want to preface this. It's quarterback, not football player. But I think Josh Allen's the best quarterback from last year's draft. And I'm not sure it's close. And I don't feel great saying that out loud, but I think we're almost at that point. Yeah, so it's so Darnold, Darnold, Baker, yeah. Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Um, well, it's not Rosen. <laughs> um, even though I, I, I was high on him for a little bit, I thought he was going to be much better. Um, I mean, <laughs> has he had a chance? He's had two. He's had the two worst situations you could ever possibly be put in. So yeah, two really bad situations. I, I I just feel like if he was any good, like if he was if he was good, I think they wouldn't be messing around with. I don't know. I feel like they would be giving him a chance to just play, but maybe not. Maybe just because they're so dysfunctional, they don't even want him to be out there. Um. But, yeah, I, I like the way Josh Allen plays. Obviously, he's got, probably got the best defense of the bunch um, backing him right now, so he doesn't have to do a whole lot. Um, obviously, he doesn't air the ball out a whole lot to throughout the course of the game to, to wide receivers and stuff. They, they run the ball. They play good defense. He runs the ball as well. Um, but I definitely like the, way, like the way he plays. It seems like he's, seems like he's a I – I know you don't like when I use this term, but he's a winner. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say. I knew you were gonna say just like that because he's a winner. <laughs> yeah, I just get that that kind of vibe from him. So, Eddie, what do you think? Um, <clears throat> I disagree. I don't, I don't think he's very good, <laughs> and I also think he's got about two years of life left in him if he's gonna keep running like an asshole. <laughs> So, I think Darnold's good. I think he's an idiot running the team. Yeah. 
that's the that's the tough evaluation for me is Darnold. The situation that fell upon him this year, from sucking doorknobs or whatever, um, <laughs> obviously set him back. The worst part is he's never going to dodge that that Mike Tomlin, which is so that's so bad by the NFL to, to do that to him. The ghosts coming, yeah. So pissed for that they put that out there because ninety nine percent of the time, all you hear in those mic'd up things is like grunting and groaning and him getting like him getting up after the back and saying like nice hit, like dumb shit like that. That they never blow up a guy's career said during a game. Like you're trying to tell me they could have someone mic'd up on someone, an expletive and ruin a guy, but they don't do it. But they just, they're trying, like, it was, it feels like it was deliberate to ruin it. That doesn't happen if they're not playing the Patriots. That, I, I think that's why that comment came out because everyone's blowing the Patriots defense. That, that's my opinion. Yeah. Well, and then, I don't know. I think it gets taken out of complete context. Like, yeah. I thought that was bad too. I agree with that. I mean, they're walking. They're walking eight guys up on the line of scrimmage and the different five every play. Yeah, yeah. he is seeing ghosts because he has no idea where the blitz is coming from because the guy that's running the offense is an absolute dumbass and can't scheme anything up that could do anything to a Belichick defense. So what is he supposed to do? He's literally snapping the ball and figuring out where shit's coming from. Yeah. Darnold's, Darnold's a tough evaluation right now just because – He's now getting the Josh Rosen situation. So, Allen blows though. The Bills, the Bills, they're gonna fall off. All right. Just I wanted to have that conversation because it was that that's obviously a highly talked about quarterback class. So, I just like the way Josh Allen's playing right now. So, he's my quarterback. All right, you guys got anything else? I need a little help from Matt here. 0 for 2 on the 2 for 1 special last week. Um, Dude, I have no idea. I do a 16 parlay pool every week. There's like five or six taking it down every week, and I can't even get close. <laughs> like literally five people 16 parlays every week in this damn thing, and I feel like an absolute idiot. This is Eddie. You can't pick the – Falcons this week, so that's good. Yeah, I I think I'm going to go with give me Jacksonville getting one and a half against Houston in London. And go ahead and give me the Miami Dolphins getting three against the Jets. Oh, stop. Winning, w- winning outright. They're not allowed to win. Like that Monday night game, they literally just decided, "Oh my God, we have a lead. We can't do this. This is bad. We, we gotta, <laughs> we're not allowed to win. We need to go on sixteen. We need the number one pick." And it was all over from there. It really did seem like that, didn't it? Yeah. That was a five-interception game if anyone else is playing defense the way Rudolph was throwing the football. <laughs> the Titans plus four. Tannehill's got that team humming. <laughs> humming. <laughs> and 
page just reset, so I forget who the other one was I was going to say. How about the Bears? I want no parts of that team. <clears throat> that's a, that's a flick coach that's going to be dumb because the way he's acting like an asshole in the media. It just feels like this might be the Trubisky game from last year where he's getting railroaded for weeks and then he comes out and had the six-touchdown game last year. It just feels <laughs> like I, I wouldn't be shocked. I look at that press conference. The press conference the week before was about how I know we need to run the ball more. I'm not an idiot. Montgomery gets 27 carries. That press conference follows by basically saying, you're right. I don't trust you to be intelligent enough to not take a sack or fumble the ball. So I would never pass in that situation. The Lions is the other one. Lions plus two against the Raiders. I'm not down with the Raiders are fan. And I think the Lions are a much better team than their record too. So, did you guys see the latest thing that came out with that Bears field goal attempt? The ball was on the left hash, and they obviously took a knee to get it to the left hash. Pinheiro prefers it on the right hash. So, he doesn't even know which side his kicker wants to kick from. <laughs> like, He's not a head coach. Any other <laughs> coach in the world with a half hour of play time left would have asked their kicker where he wants it, but... This guy doesn't. This guy is not a big picture guy at all. I can't even give one person credit for this uh, comment because I heard it. I think on every podcast I listen to. Was there any more of a lock last week than the Chargers and Bears game coming down to a missed field goal? <laughs> it didn't matter what team it was, but whoever was getting that last kick, it was going to get missed. Yeah, because you have Philip Rivers who's made a career out of finding ways to lose football games. I've been saying that, and I'll say it until I die. Oh, God. And a Bears team that's doing much the same. All right. All right, anything else, guys? I think that's it. Shane, you excited to get into divisional play round two? Yeah, no big weeks or anything like that? Not yet. Not Not yet. We're not there yet, but it's it's getting close. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast and our Week 9 preview. Hopefully, better days are ahead for the Desert Dogs. Um, otherwise, I may have to give the podcast reins over to someone for the rest of the season. Don't know how much I can bear it. Um And uh, we'll talk next week when we look at week 10 in the Sons of Fantasy Football League. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week.